You know when you think something is one thing and then it turns out to be something entirely different? Like when you anticipate going on vacation someplace special, and when you get there, it's nothing like what you thought it was going to be. This episode is kind of like that. We're going to examine the genesis and evolution of one of my oldest songs. We'll talk about how the song came about, the concept of the song, and the evolution of the song over time. Hi, I'm Tim Rose, and this is the Tim Tunes Podcast. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into one of my most popular songs. We'll discover what sparked the song, talk about some of the adventures with the song, and dig into why this song is special, and how and why it's changed over the years. When I was a young boy, down in the hills of Tennessee, we spent a lot of time playing outside in the woods. I guess I was about seven or eight when one day I heard a cat mewing in the woods. I set out to find this cat and wound up looking all over the woods and chasing my own tail. I began to realize that there was a bird who seemed to be following me around. This little gray bird with a black cap looked a lot like a mockingbird but didn't display the distinctive white stripes of the mockingbird when he flew. This was my first encounter with a cat bird, a bird that would keep flying in and out of my life, both metaphorically and in reality. I started writing Cat Bird when I was in college. I had a friend who put on this tough predatory exterior, but was really a bundle of anxiety. So they presented as a cat persona but was really a bird trying to lure you away from their vulnerable bird persona. That's a very gross oversimplification, but it's the chief metaphor of the song. I guess it's kind of a common condition as people seem to relate to the song. At the same time I was writing the song, I was studying chord substitution with Bill Bittner in Frostburg, Maryland. I decided to make a song a blues song, but I didn't want to use the standard kind of eight-bar blues chords and progressions like this. Instead, I wanted to substitute some jazzier chords, so I used a major seven chord instead of a straight major or minor chord. Now, The major seven is the happiest of chords. It's a beautiful chord that kind of says everything is all right and wonderful. Not exactly blues material in the traditional sense. So I followed the first major seventh chord with another major seventh chord, a minor third higher. This gave the song more tension and preserved the major minor feel of the blues. I put a minor seventh chord in the second chord position between them to bridge the gap, so the change isn't so abrupt. That sounds like this. When it came time to go to the fourth chord, as you would in a standard eight-bar blues, I walked the chords up to the major seventh of the fourth chord. 
Now, the next chord is the best part of the song. Harmonically, I played a nine chord a fourth above that fourth chord, which sounds like this. That phrase really lets me dig down and get into the melody. As the chord occurs in the syllable bird when I'm singing catbird, here I'll show you. You can see how the nine chord is really the money chord and emphasizes the hook. That phrase has survived all the different versions of the song. It's really sort of the heart of the song. Now, when I was writing this song, I, I didn't really think about any of this stuff. It was only in analyzing the song afterwards that I saw this. When I was writing the song, I was trying to make something that sounded good and that used the new chords and progressions I was learning in my lessons. After college, I was hitchhiking my guitar on the Beltway in Washington, D.C. I got picked up by this guy who then asked me to sing him something. I played Catbird for him. He then handed me his card and asked if I would come down and record a few songs in his recording studio in downtown D.C. So I did. There was a recording of that visit which has been lost over the years, but it used this version that I've been describing above. It was around the same time that I went to visit my friend John Spiro, who I've spoken of in the past. John and I were bandmates in high school, and I always thought very highly of John's musical advice and criticism. John suggested that I change the major seventh chords by using a hammer-on technique that would change the chord to a seventh chord. I really liked the sound and decided to adopt the technique. Here is the original sound with the C major seven chords. And here's the revised sound with the hammer-on seventh chord. That sound is much more with the feel of the song, so I adopted it. Here's the solo version of the song using that technique that I recorded in 2006 in my studio and is on my virtually live album of songs. Although this was recorded in 2006, it best reflects how I played the song in the late 70s. Enjoy! Disguise. Who do you think you're fooling? 
better take to the skies Well, who do you think you're fooling With them old mama cabot eyes Doodly doo And old mama cabot She's shaking her cabot tail yeah, she thinks that when she shakes it, she makes everything swell. Hey, Mama Catbird, you're just a little behind. Who do you think you're fooling? You must think we're deaf, dumb, and blind. Well, who do you think you're fooling? Batting them old mama capered eyes Doodly doo Too many fish in the ocean Too many stars in the sky Much of my precious time is wasting Just sitting here wondering why Oh, I'm a catbird What you gonna say When old Papa Catfish Pick up his whiskers and swam away Drop that old disguise Who do you think you're fooling? Better take to the skies Well, who do you think you're fooling? Batting them old mama cabot Love the lyrics to this song. It's it's not a laugh out loud funny song, but it is kind of a chuckle song. I hope you enjoy it too. There's a lot of double entendre in there if you pick it up. In the early 80s, I decided to release a small extended play or EP single. Back in the old days, most recordings were either albums recorded on large records that played at 33 and a third speed, or singles recorded on much smaller records that played at 45. An EP single is the same size as a 45, but plays at 33 and a third. That way, I could put four songs on the record. I've discussed the recording sessions at Bias Studios in Springfield, Virginia, in 1982, in Season 1, Episode 2. Please feel free to go back and give it a listen. Since I wanted to feature the players instead of myself in this version, the guitar is mixed way back, but the chords in the structure are exactly the same as the previous version. This recording features Ted Onulak on saxophone, Dave Garavsdos on keys, Charlie Phelps on bass, James Reese Dillard on drums, and me on guitar and vocals. 
The song was engineered, mixed, and mastered by Jim Robeson, with support from Dale Allen and John Eggers. So sit back, relax, and listen to this version of Catbird.
And that's some really fine work by Ted Onulak on saxophone and Dave Garavdos on keys, I just have to say. I always love that uh, version. In the late 80s, we moved our family from the D.C. area to the Boston area for work. We had a very nice house that was backed by a nice strip of woods. We could sit out on our back deck and watch the birds as they came to our feeders. I would often imitate bird whistles to see if I could get the birds to engage with me in cross-species conversation. I noticed this cat bird that kept coming around, and I wondered if I could teach it to whistle something. So I tried whistling this. When I knew it was around. I mean, it's literally a cat call. How could they resist? On the seventh or eighth time trying this, the cat bird started trying to imitate me. After a short time, he had it down perfect. Eventually, the cat bird trained me to respond to his stimulus. He would whistle, and I would reply with, For a few weeks, every time I went into the backyard, I would hear the cat bird call me, and then I would respond. Then we would engage in a little cross-species conversation. I wasn't sure if we were having a conversation or a competition. The range and variation of his sounds were absolutely remarkable. After a few months, the catbird went away to do his catbirdy things, and I never heard from him again. Around this same time, I was in the band Horizon. I wanted to play the song with the band, but we didn't need any more slow songs in our repertoire. I decided to make a rocked-out version. I raised the key to A to make it easier to sing in my rock and roll voice and sped it up. I sort of dumbed down the chord progression, but the essentials are still there. There is a slow intro and outro that I've left out here because you've already heard them twice. So here is the Horizon version of Catbird, featuring Steve Thomas on lead guitar, Robert Sycama on fretless bass, Dave Brown on drums, and me on second guitar and vocals. This version was recorded in the late 90s in Scott Lewis' studio and can be found on Horizon's Midlife Con Sessions album. Enjoy!
just a little behind Who do you think you're fooling? Busting you deaf, dumb and blind Who do you think you're fooling? With an old mama capital line Too many fish in the ocean Too many stars in the sky That's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed our little romp with Catbird. If you look up this post on Facebook, you can even vote for your favorite version. Please feel free to send me comments via Tim Toon's podcast group on Facebook or to Rimtoes, that's R-I-M-T-O-E-S on Twitter. Until next time... (laughs) 